today's podcast, like all of my podcasts, brought to you by my kind patrons, people that sign up on Patreon and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast, and my longtime sponsors, like my friends over at JM Bullion, the only place I buy my gold and silver bullion. I love JM Bullion. They have been in business for nearly a decade now. They've done over $7 billion in sales. JM Bullion packages discreetly. They turn my orders around quickly. They always have a robust inventory, and their prices are very manageable when compared to spot. Put simply, I love JM Bullion. QTR podcast listeners have their own rep at JM Bullion, so if you're looking to buy gold and silver bullion, you don't want to deal with the website, you can email the lovely Laura, L-A-U-R-A at jmbullion.com. That's J-M as in me want a beer. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, you can email the lovely me do want a beer. Um, you can uh, email Laura, L-A-U-R-A at jmbullion.com. She will help you out uh, in the uh, buying and selling process. Whatever you need, she'll help you out with. JM Bullion's been a longtime supporter of the podcast, and I love these guys. So if you are considering buying gold and silver bullion, make sure you check them out. This podcast also brought to you, also their link is in my podcast description. Like all of these kind folks that sponsor the podcast, like my friend George Gammon over at Rebel Capitalist Pro, George has teamed up with Chris McIntosh, Lynn Alden, Brent Johnson, and a ton of other experts to help you understand how to... Preserve your wealth in a world of out-of-control central banks will be the topic of our discussion today for sure. There is no doubt that that is the answer to the question we are all asking. How do we dodge the inflation eating away at our wealth, eating away at our purchasing power? And that's exactly what George Gammon focuses on over at Rebel Capitalist Pro. Listen, he's got two great YouTube channels, Rebel Capitalist and George Gammon. You can go on over there and watch his live streams. Uh, Rebel Capitalist Pro members get live question and answer sessions. There's an incredible online forum that I love to use. You get access to premium research from people like Lynn Alden and Brent Johnson, who are experts. These are the people that are worth reading. There's some things you can get for free out there, you know, like great podcasts like Palisades, Gold Radio, things like that, the stuff I'm always referencing. But there are some things that are worth paying up, and I forget what Rebel Capitalist Pro is, maybe it's $39 a month or something, but well worth it just for the forums, just for the mock portfolios. Shoot a message over to George, tell him QTR sent you, he will, uh, he'll work with you. If you want to get like a free trial or something, he'll make sure you get taken care of. Same goes for my friend Sang Lucci and Wall Street Jesus over at the Steam Room. If you're an active trader, if you're in the options market, if you're looking to learn how to read tape in the market, and generally if you're just looking for a good time, <laughs> hang on out over at the Steam Room. It's a wonderful community that's been put together by my friends Sang Lucci, Wall Street Jesus, Charlie Bathgate. These guys have been at it for over a decade now. Nobody reads tape like these guys. The Steam Room is a piece of software and a wonderful trading community that can help you get an edge if you don't use it like a herb. These guys were the first crew out there to start looking at unusual options activity before you heard that shit everywhere and before options were the tail that was wagging the market in in some, which is what's going on now. These guys were looking at that angle before anybody else, and that's what makes them the best at it. 
and that's what makes them experts. Here we are, 10, 11 years on almost from when I first met Lucci. So happy to know him. Same with George Gammon. Same with my friends at JM Bullion. Honest people to do business with. Look them up. Shoot them a message. They will work with you. If you tell them QTR sent you, tell them you want whatever. Free shipping, a free trial, this, that, and the other. Tell them the Q-Man sent you. And they will be happy to try to accommodate you. Because uh, these guys are like my friends, too. you know. And I don't peddle bullshit and nonsense. I've been lucky enough to have a you know, group of sponsors that I can, that I like, actually, that I would consider friends and uh, that I have no problem shilling for because I know I'm not leading you to some shady online chat room with a bunch of assholes that are going to steal your money. So how's that for respecting my listeners? Good. (laughs) Speaking of which, one of you herbs sent me a message somewhere, I think on a YouTube comment, we got to have Larry Lapard and Peter Schiff do a debate on Bitcoin. And I was like, Okay, let's do that. You know, I was like, that's a good fucking idea. Because being on the fence about Bitcoin myself and having just talked to both of these knuckleheads and knowing that the two of them, I don't think, have spoken to each other yet on a debate, I said, let me line up a couple of my most pressing questions and see if we can't get one of these two to change their mind and figure it all out today. This podcast has a two-drink minimum, is not investment advice. I hold no licenses, no registrations. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Please trade at your own risk. I'm an idiot. You probably are too. Chances are we're going to lose money. Please keep that in mind throughout the duration of this podcast. All right, so happy to have two of my absolute favorites here today. From the EMA Garb Fund, my friend Larry Lapard. And of course, from uh, now Shift Gold again and uh, Euro Pacific Asset Management, my friend Peter Schiff. How the hell are both of you, gentlemen? Doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Hi, uh, hey, Chris. Yeah, I'm getting over some some bug I picked up uh, when I was skiing over the Christmas break. <laughs> it's still not a hundred percent. Well, hopefully you're on the men's. Yeah, get back in that hyperbaric <laughs> chamber. Yeah, I'm doing what I can. So I wanted to do this today as the uh, as an answer to a suggestion that I got from a listener of mine. I don't know if the two of you have ever even like shared a stage before. I, I imagine that you guys had met and spoken to each other before, but Larry, the way that... Yeah, we, we have. I, I don't know if you recall it, Peter, but remember way back when, when there was that Ron Paul Freedom Fest thing in Boston? I don't know if it was one of the original tea parties. I think we were both there and sat next to each other, so so we oh. met. But it was it was brief. You probably don't remember it. I do. Yeah. Well, I did a few Ron Paul things back then. Right. You're probably looking at around twenty, you know, ten to yeah, 20, eight, nine, 20, ten. 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think that's the one time we met. Yeah, yeah. So today we're going to keep it to Bitcoin because I love both of you guys, and <laughs> you're both on opposite ends of the fence, and I'm right on the middle. So I thought this would be a great group to have a discussion with. Uh, Obviously, Peter is going to be making the argument uh, against Bitcoin. Larry's going to be making the argument for Bitcoin. Uh, And what I'll do is give you guys each just two or three minutes real quick to sum up your side of the argument just to get started for the people in the back and the new people who don't know the two of you yet. Uh, We'll start with you, Peter. What's the two to three minute pitch against Bitcoin? (laughs) Well, first of all, hopefully Larry bought his Bitcoin back when we first met. <laughs> I bought some in 2013 at 300, but I didn't. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't buy it before there was. Remember how before Coinbase, you know, you couldn't really buy it easily. So I wasn't smart enough to do that. 
No, no, I mean, it was. I mean, somebody tried to convince me to buy it. I even had the site all lined up, and I, I forget if it was $0.10 cents or a dollar. I can't really remember. Yeah. But I, I, just, I just didn't feel like pulling the trigger. It just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I almost sent money to Mount Gox, and thank goodness I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that, you know it's, ironically, people say, well, you should have bought Bitcoin a long time ago. I might have bought it, and I might have kept them in Mount Gox. So <laughs> right, and then they would have been gone. So <laughs> Yeah. But um, look, I mean, the reason I didn't buy Bitcoin when I was first told about it, and I thought it was interesting, uh, but I just, at the end of the day, I didn't think it was ever going to be real money. And I, I think I've been vindicated. It's not money. I mean, it's not used as a medium of exchange. It's not used as a unit of account. My big problem with it, with it was that there was nothing unique or special about it. I, I thought, well, if somebody can come up with Bitcoin, they can come up with something similar to Bitcoin. And when I first learned about Bitcoin, it was the only one. You know, right. now there's 20,000 of these things. And many of the other cryptocurrencies, to the extent that you actually wanted to use it as a currency, most of the other ones are actually better than Bitcoin. They're faster, they're cheaper. Uh, and so they, 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 they're more viable as, as actually a cryptocurrency than Bitcoin was. Now, little did I know back then that there could be 20,000 of these things and they can have a market cap, you know, in the trillions or whatever the hell the market cap is of all these, uh, all these coins. Uh, or they're not actually coins. They're just strings of numbers uh, that, that, have, that are represented, you know, by images of coins. Um, but, you know, nothing has changed. In fact, now they've got these ETFs. Uh, where they're trying to sucker in new buyers to try to, you know, prop up the price so that some of the people that got in a long time ago can continue uh, to sell. But, you know, I, I, the interesting thing about Bitcoin was, yes, it, it managed to replicate a lot of the properties that gold had that made gold uh, such a good form of money. But... None of those properties that, that, that Bitcoin replicated, you know, divisibility, durability, uniformity, fungibility, I mean, all the things, portability, all the things that, that gold had that maybe, you know, cattle doesn't have or other things that have been other commodities that have been used as money. But the most important thing was gold's physical properties. It's a precious metal and it has a tremendous a number of uses. There are a lot of things that only gold can do. Its properties are very unique on the periodic table. And so uh, it's the most useful metal that we have. And, and, and it doesn't corrode, right? It, it doesn't lose its properties. So the gold that I have today can be used a thousand years from now in whatever uses uh, humans have for it in a thousand years. So it stores its value. But Bitcoin doesn't have that. It doesn't have any of those physical properties. And and so it can't be a store of value because there's no underlying value to store. I mean, Bitcoin has a price because somebody's willing to buy it, but you can't store a price. You know, price price is only a function of what somebody is willing to pay. And nobody knows if anybody will be willing to pay anything for Bitcoin in the future because there's nothing you can do with it now. And there won't be anything you can do with it in the future. All right, Larry. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I hear all those points, and I can kind of take them on one by one. I mean, 
And I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Peter. And as you know, I mean, I'm a huge gold bug. It's not like I'm anti-gold at all. <laughs> I, I came from the gold world, and I've migrated into believing in Bitcoin. Um, let me come at it a slightly different way, and we can attack some of your criticisms. But my view on Bitcoin is that, you know, and, and I understand the, you know, the 20,000 coins and FTX and all the fraud and bullshit in this area, which has been just horrific. Um, you know, and it's, it's really to true Bitcoiners, it, it makes us all sick. You know, all the, we call them all shit coins. Um, you know what? I think the most important thing to me, well, there are, two, there are two things where I think we differ a little bit. I think one, you believe money has to have a physical property. I don't, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and two, um, um, you know, you think that this thing can be replicated and copied. And I'm kind of relying upon um, the notion that it's the first with the most and the biggest network. And just like it's unlikely that we're going to have another, you know, company replace Google because, you know, the network effect is so large now that you couldn't, um, that, that Bitcoin has become the leading cryptocurrency. But let me let me start kind of with first principles. In my view, and, and, and this comes down, I think where we're probably at different at loggerheads, Peter, is is how do you define money? And I think you're saying it's got to have a physical property. And I understand that. And I respect that. Um, what I'm suggesting is that money, even from the beginning of time, let's say even before gold, what is money? Money is really a social obligation among, amongst human beings. It's, it's, you know, you have something, I want that, I'll exchange what I have for what you have. And, and that whatever that thing you exchange, quote unquote, is money. And, you know, let's say even before gold existed, right, there were guys, and we know this because we've seen them, there were guys sitting in caves in France drawing marks, you know, keeping tally chips or scores on the wall and it probably had to do with you know i killed three bison and you killed two and you owe me two and and there was no gold i mean and and so there was some way of keeping score and and of course we all keep score today just in our bank accounts they're just digital things on a screen there's no cash as you know sitting in the bank behind it you know not necessarily anyway and so so to me money really is quote unquote a ledger and you've got to get kind of mentally through the Money has to have a physical property, and, and I agree with you. Gold has incredible, unique properties, indestructible, the electrical uses. You know, it's been love for jewelry, and it's got a 5,000-year history. I mean, the Lindy effect on gold is unfreaking believable and Bitcoin is 14 years old. And, and to, to criticize my argument, you know, there, there are two, in my view, there are two things that are at risk in Bitcoin, and that's why I don't have all my net worth in Bitcoin. One is that there's the technical risk that it, that it blows up or it doesn't work. I mean... We just mined the 820,000th block, and it's been running for 15 years, and the core developers maintain it and protect it. And so I'm relatively comfortable that the technical risk is low. The second risk in Bitcoin, in my view, is that people stop caring about it and they stop adopting it. I mean, you know, Carl Menger, who is the founder of Austrian Economics, said money is the most liquid good that we all accept. And so as you know and I know, I mean, you know, puka shells and cigarettes, I mean, there are all kinds of things that have been used for money, cattle. I mean, obviously, cattle is kind of hard to use, but but the point is, lots of things have been kind of used to exchange value, and mankind settled on gold because it was rare, you know, very low stock to flow, five thousand years, and we all could, you know, it was a way that you could figure out somebody wasn't cheating you. Although there are some problems with gold, you got to say it, and, you know. Well, we just know. if I could interject yeah. one thing, yeah, go ahead. just so you get my definition of money, money, because you touched on it. I I just look at it as it's the most marketable commodity. Correct. That money is a commodity first. I agree. Uh, and, 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 and what money represented was progress over barter. And, it, you know, people are trading commodities 
goods with one another. But when you find one good that you can you can easily accept, everybody will accept in exchange, then, you know, I don't have to find, you know, a confluence of needs or wants. If I'm if I if I make chairs and I want to buy, um, you know, a, a suit of clothes, I don't need to find a tailor who wants my chairs, right? Correct. If, 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 if we have one good that we can all, you know, are willing to accept and the one that worked the best was, was gold. But, you know, you mentioned cigarettes were money. And, you know, the reason cigarettes were money was because you could smoke them. Now, even if I don't smoke cigarettes myself, somebody smokes them. And so I know there's, there's always going to be demand for the cigarettes because there's always going to be a smoker. So even if I don't smoke, I can accept those cigarettes in exchange for as payment because I know somebody else will take them because eventually somebody's going to smoke them. And so that's what gold has value is that even if I'm not a jeweler, even if I'm not making consumer electronics or dentistry or aerospace, even if I don't need the gold, I know somebody else will eventually need it for something. And so I'm willing to hold it because it doesn't it's not going to lose its properties while I'm holding on to it. Right. But that's no, the I, difference I, with, with Bitcoin doesn't have any of that. Let, Bitcoin well, doesn't have let Larry any respond. user. Peter, let, yeah, Larry, let, me, let Larry respond to I, that. I, I completely agree with everything you've just said, Peter, but I but I'll go a step further and say, okay, but 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 think of money in, in an absolute sense. I mean, the reason why I mean gold has value for two reasons. It has value for just as you've described, it's alternative uses. Although, you know, the as we all know, the electrical uses are, are pretty minor and and the jewelry is, you know, that's kind of an ornament sort of use, right? But, um, but the primary use of gold is as just pure money, as a as a way of accounting. And and the reason it holds its value, as you know and I know, is the stock to flow is so low. You know, it's it's indestructible, and um, you know we're adding what one point seven percent a year as we mine thirty five hundred tons. And so, so what I would suggest to you is that Bitcoin, you know, doesn't need money doesn't in and of itself need a use. In fact, to the degree it has a use, and that's why commodity money hasn't worked in the past. So the you know the cigarette issue is a good one. I mean you know people smoke the cigarettes, the money supply disappears. Um, the, the 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 issue really with money is is what you need is something neutral that is scarce and that's hard to replicate and that that has a backing that that means that people can't just you know gin it up out of thin air. And as you and I both know, mining gold is friggin' tough and expensive. And well, you know, so is mining Bitcoin. Well, exactly, and that's that's the point. And so. So what you know? So so to me, to me, the innovation of Bitcoin. I want to make this clear. Is it? And this is what makes it different from all the other cryptocurrencies. And as you know, there were you know there were five or ten attempts at doing digital cash, and nobody could ever solve the problem of overprinting and cheating and all of that. And what 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 Bitcoin? What the guys who developed Bitcoin did? Um, because I think it's a bunch of guys. I don't think there was one guy. Um, what they did was they created what I believe is legitimate digital scarcity. Digital scare. I mean, you think about anything digital, you know, Napster, etc. You can create any file and copy it a zillion times. They've created a system with the blockchain and the hashing and, and you know all the technology behind it, which takes a while to understand. That truly means there are only going to be 21 million of these things, and we're approaching that number asymptotically. So, so as a result of that, you know that that is a property, and and it's easy to transfer, easier to transfer than gold. But set that aside. I'm I'm not using that as the argument for Bitcoin. You know, and, and right now, the, the stock to flow on Bitcoin is roughly the same as gold. And as, as you know, the way it operates, they have the reward gets halved every four years. And so ultimately, the stock to flow will become even harder on Bitcoin. 
the, the, but your point is your point is valid in one respect, and that is if people don't collectively agree that Bitcoin is money with better properties, if usage does not continue and grow, then you're right, it doesn't work. But um, and and so to me, the two big risks here are one that something technically blows up, and that was my major concern. I mean, I bought some at three hundred dollars, but not a lot, an embarrassingly small number of coins, like a handful. Um, and over time, I've added, obviously, and at higher prices all along the way. And, and you know, and my concern was always this thing's going to blow up. I mean, how can you have money on a computer? I mean, it's just it just doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, computers, they go blue screen. I mean, I, I was around. I've been investing in computers since 1980 and they're unreliable. And so I, I just couldn't believe money on a computer could work. But as I came to understand the technology behind it and how it all works, I've actually gotten over that risk. I think the odds that the technology breaks are quite low. I mean, almost, you know, almost non-existent. The, but the other risk is still somewhat present, and that is if suddenly everyone woke up one day and didn't give a shit about Bitcoin, like, hey, yeah, so what? I don't care about this stuff anymore. Then, you know, it would fade away. There would be, you know, there would be, you know people say, well, I'll pay you in Bitcoin. I don't want to take Bitcoin. You know, there's no demand for that. But what you look at and what you observe in both the price and the hash rate and the transactions and the number of people using it and the number of wallets and all these things are, and I used to be in the venture capital business, what you observe are the dogs are eating the food. You know, I mean, in other words, every year more people adopt it and use it. And, you know, you say it's not easy for transactions. Well, adopt it and use it for what? I mean, for, I, I, for, for, I, as, a, as a savings technology, as a savings technology. I mean, in many cases, in a Gresham's Law kind of way, they're adopting it, buying it and hodling it because they know that there's a scarce amount of it and that in the future it will have more value well, because it's one yeah, of the few monetary mechanisms that will but you know, won't be diluted. Yeah, right. But they're only using it to speculate on price appreciation it's not well it's no more you know it, it's not being used in commerce i don't go to stores and see all kinds of bitcoin checkout options i mean it's not you're, like you're right not not yet not yet but they're but, coming. but, but what, what not yet what are they waiting for it's been around for <laughs> a while now well, well and, and you know one thing you know you talk about this scarcity mm. yeah i mean gold is scarce in that you actually needed to do something so an ounce of gold is more valuable than a hundredth of an ounce of gold because, mm -hmm. I mean, I could do a lot more as far as conducting electricity or making jewelry. But when it comes to Bitcoin, I can do as much with a Satoshi as I can with an entire Bitcoin, which is nothing. And so I look at the supply, not of, it's not 21 million Bitcoin. It's 2.1 quadrillion Satoshis. There's a lot of Satoshis out there. You know, to say that Satoshis are scarce, they're very abundant. <laughs> There's well, a huge supply of these Well, that's, that's just the pizza argument. You're just saying if you slice it, you know, no matter how far you slice it. I mean, no, you know, no, no. Yeah. Because if I have a slice of pizza, that's a decent amount of food. If I have a tiny gram, a speck of pizza, I can't do crap with that. I'm just not going to satisfy my appetite. My point is that Bitcoin doesn't do anything. It doesn't matter how many Bitcoins you have. You still can't do anything with it. And so if I have a hundred Satoshis, well, I got a hundred Satoshis. That's plenty, right? Well, for what, what do I need more for? So it's well, like, there's more, there's everybody who wants the Satoshi can have some, there's plenty of them. Well, that's right. No, there's, there's no doubt. Just as anyone who wants an ounce of gold can have some or a 10th of well, an no, ounce. Well, no, there's, yeah. there's, there's not that many ounces of gold, but yeah. Well, it's no, but it's, it's the exact same principle, Peter. I mean, there's X number of ounces, there are X number of people. You, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, there's, there's no difference in the quantity argument. On but the they one. bundled, they bundled these up to try to claim, I mean, the, 
making a making a hundred million satoshis equal a bitcoin was just an arbitrary thing you could easily say okay a bitcoin is 10 million satoshis and now there's not 21 million now there's 210 million bitcoin it was just an arbitrary bundle that they came up with you know to make it seem like there's not that many of them because there's only 21 million but there's really a lot of satoshis out there you know well yeah but it's it well okay I'm not going to go through the the divisibility yeah. argument because I, I think that's I think that's your weakest argument. I think like your stronger argument is that um, you know if, if people aren't using it as payment transaction, they're not using it enough, then it fades away. But I but but if you kind of look at money in terms of its properties, and you can get I mean this is I've I've had this discussion with many 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 gold people, and they just can't get over the lack of physicality. And, uh, you know, what I would say well, to... Well, it's not physical. It's not... Something doesn't have to be physical to have value, right? It can be intangible and still have a use. Well, but Bitcoin doesn't have a use either. It's just... It does, it's just though. Nothing. I guess it does. It's, it's, use is, it's use is storing value as but everyone else... But it doesn't else have is. any value. So how can you store what you don't well, have? Well, okay. What, what, <laughs> what, what determines value? Value is subjective and based upon what people will pay for it. I mean, right now... That's the it price. Has, that's yeah. the price. What, well, you know, the, like, no, but price and value, in my mind, and maybe this is where we differ. In my mind, price and value are the exact same thing at any given. Oh well, no, point, they're not. Remember, yes, yes, that's a good quote from Warren Buffett. You know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Right now, so, if you buy Bitcoin, you pay you know forty one thousand dollars, but you don't get any value. <laughs> you just wasted forty one thousand dollars. Well, not, not not if it becomes not if it becomes the leading savings technology in the world. Um, you know what you've got is you've you've stored your you've stored your physical you've stored your energy you're exchanging dollars which you and I both agree are going to zero I mean are, are you know a terrible form of savings you've exchanged it for an asset a commodity asset and you have to admit Bitcoin is a commodity asset right No I, I don't call it a commodity I just Why don't, not? I, I, Why I, not? I would say it's you could say it's a digital asset I don't think it's a commodity but if you want to say it is digital and yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to the extent that you could sell it, it represents an asset right. um, if you own it. But the future value of that asset is 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 highly suspect. I mean, it may not have any value in the future. So it's just, but there's no question that it has a value now, and that you could sell it because somebody is willing to buy it. Correct. But they're only willing to buy it because they think somebody else will buy it at a higher price in the future. So you, you right? But that's but, that, that but that's but that's cycle. why any that's why anybody chooses any money, right? No, I mean, yeah, it no, is. But no, no, that's not no. Pe people aren't buying dollars because they think the dollar is going to be worth more in the future. We well, pretty no, much <laughs> all know that there's going to be inflation, but we take dollars, you know, because well, we, well, it's we the take dollars because we get, you know, we need them to exchange for the things we want. Correct, yeah. but. But people buy gold for the exact same reason. They buy it because they think it's going to be worth more in the future. Well, no, they, they actually buy it because they think it's going to maintain its value, not necessarily be worth more, but just not be worth less in real terms. So if you believe that the dollar is going to go down in value, then you're going to need more dollars to buy everything. But the problem is, you know, I can't buy all the food that I'm going to need in 10 years today. It's Correct. very bulky and it may not survive. It may Correct. rot or something. So instead of storing food, well, I'll store gold instead because it, it doesn't perish and it, I can get a lot of gold and in, in, a, in a small amount of area. But you, you can't do that with Bitcoin. Nobody has any certainty what, if anything, Bitcoin is going to be worth in the future. I mean, you think it may be worth a lot. 
but you also can see that it may not be worth anything. I mean, nobody knows for sure. Well, that's that's certainly within the realm of possible outcomes. But again, yeah. back to back to my venture capital analogy. All I know is every year more people are buying it, and every year there are more use cases, and every year there's more adoption. Well, how do you and know so, more people are buying it? You can go. You can go look at the uh, you know look at the growth at the coin, of Coinbase accounts. Look at the number yeah, of addresses. Yeah, but how do you know it's not the same people with multiple accounts? I mean, these well, wallets. You don't know who owns these wallets. Yeah. Well, look, it's it, it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, user adoption has grown very, very consistently over all these years or we wouldn't have gotten from the two dollars a coin to the forty four thousand dollars or you know, forty one. Yeah, I mean, Grant, I, I, I know think... there are definitely more people. But I also to me as a trader, to me, it looks like the Bitcoin are being distributed from the original buyers, the stronger hands out to the public, you know, who are who are not. You know, the, the, the buyers of Bitcoin today are not the hardcore, you know, free market, libertarian, hard money, you know, mm. for gold. The, the, a lot of the people who are buying Bitcoin today are just buying it because some pop star, uh, you know, tweeted about it. And, you know, it's like a lot more people are just buying it because it's a am going to hop on this bandwagon. I want to get rich. I want to get that Lambo, you know. And, and people are they, they don't really have any real hardcore belief. They're just buying it because they, they, they think they're going to make money. You know, there's certain. Well, look, there's certainly some of that. And, you know, that's what makes markets and everyone's allowed to do that. I will say that over 71 percent of the coins have not moved in the last you know year. And, uh, you know, to me, those are people who aren't trading. You know, they're buying it as a store of value. And, you know, they're looking at it as a form of digital gold. Um, you know, it's it's. It's got the properties of gold. Its supply is fixed. And in fact, arguably, it's, it's a harder money than gold because, you know, we will continue to mine gold. In 45 years, the amount of gold on the planet will have doubled, you know, and in 45 years, there'll still only be 21 million Bitcoin. So again, um, yes, but who knows how many altcoins there will be. Oh, no doubt. Could, you know, I mean, somebody that could, you know, like it better, like you mentioned something about, hey, you know, we're always going to use Google. Well, I don't know. I mean, before Google, I was searching on Yahoo. And, Correct. you know, there was even before Yahoo, there was like Spyglass or I forget some of these other ones. But I mean, I don't know that in 100 years people are going to be using Google. I mean, they, they, it's very easy to believe that something will have replaced it by then. You know, well, that's a possible. It's a possible. Let, let, let me just interject because I, I wanted to ask a question earlier and Peter's kind of touching on it now, which is, Larry, what happens you know, how quickly does the ball of yarn unwind if that adoption starts to it doesn't even have to regress. But what if the adoption starts to slow mm. and, and, you know, how quickly could things snap back in the other direction? Number one. And then number two, a after that, if you kind of want to talk about um, I hear a lot about the the value in the adoption and in the protocol itself, if you want to just expand on that a little bit more because I think that might be an area that uh, that Peter might not understand or think about in the way that you think about it. Um, but what? How how quickly could it come undone if adoption starts to slow? Well, look, I mean, it, it, people have declared Bitcoin dead, you know, five or six times, and it's it's a controversial. But I don't I, mean, I don't mean declaring it dead. I mean I mean if the numbers that you're talking about, the hash rate, the number of accounts, the the hard figures yeah. that you're using to gauge. You know, based, based, on, based on the way human beings behave, you know, a trend set in motion, you know, tends to continue. Um, 
you know, so so it could unwind. And and by the way, there have been times when people have you know lost faith in this whole thing. I mean, a perfect example is we were at sixty eight thousand in the middle of a, a raging mania for everything. I mean, I thought we were having a, a crack up boom in in December of twenty twenty one. You know, and FTX blew up, and you know it went from the sixties down to fifteen. You know, I mean that was that was pretty absurd, and and, and there were a lot of people that well, this is it, that's it, that's the end of the game, it's dead. Um, but it's not. You know, it, it's it's crawled out of that hole, and it continues to march forward, and we continue to kind of see you know an upward trend in the trajectory of the price. And I think that's because when you come back to the fundamental principles of what it is. You know, it's it's easy to transfer. It's easy to verify. It's limited in supply. You know, it's it's got all of the quantity of qualities that one wants in money. I mean, it doesn't. But the have problem a, is, remember, there are yeah. other digital currencies that are easier to transfer. Uh, yeah. Are, you know, than, than Bitcoin, and you know, and and again, and, you know, you can you can, and you, and can marry, yeah. you can marry gold. You can you can tokenize gold, and then you have something that has all the properties. A big right, point, but, but, but except but, it also but, is a store of value, and uh, you know something but, but, that's reliable. But, but none, of, but none of those are none of those are fully distributed. None of those are transparent. None of them have the proof of work algorithm. I mean, to any size, there are a couple of coins that have proof of work, but they've had no adoption. Well, you don't need proof of work if your token is backed by gold. The gold is your proof. But well, you know, this whole idea of proof of work, you know, if the work doesn't result in any value, it's like I can I can spend all day digging holes. And then I'll then spend the next day filling them back up again. Uh, even if I have proof that I did all the work, you know, what the, the work, the, the right, work did but, not but, result but, in any value being created. Right, but, but Peter, here's, you're not creating any value when you're yeah, creating see, Bitcoin. You're see, wasting once, energy. Once, once again, we're, we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about what is value. I mean, I am suggesting and saying, and Bitcoiners are suggesting and saying, that a, an immutable digital ledger is enormously valuable enormously like nobody's ever seen any especially with a fixed supply nobody has ever seen anything like it in the world before and that's why but there's all sorts of distributive ledgers that compete with it that do the same nah, thing but but not, we, not, what, not, what would happen look what, what would happen you mentioned there's these seventy thousand coins that haven't moved in a while well seventy percent seventy percent yeah yeah what's going to happen if over the next few years a lot of the people who have been holding on to this bitcoin Mm. What if they need the money? What if they actually have a reason, like they they've run out of cash or they they've depleted? You know, they, they just need to sell, right? They need mm -hmm. they need because they can't take the Bitcoin to the grocery store and buy groceries. They can't, you know, mm -hmm. they, they they can't pay their rent. They gotta actually sell. So what's gonna happen if a lot of those people need to sell, but you don't have a new group of buyers out there, right? You know, there's no, there's, there's nobody, nobody wants to buy anymore. You've kind of maxed out your, your growth and it's just the current amount of people. And then you get a bunch of people that want to get out because they need the money. What happens? Well, obviously the price would go down if there were no new buyers to come in behind it, but that, that doesn't really support what's happening. I mean, one, most of the people who have it, you know, it is in strong hands and two, there are continually more and more use cases, more and more buyers. One of the things I want to address, because I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, Peter, but I think it's important to understand. But let's talk about the, actually using it for payment, okay? Um, I was just checking. The average transaction cost right now is around $10 bucks, um, a transaction. It's, you know, it's been as high as 15 as low as a dollar over the past few years. But anyway, you know, so obviously this is not a transaction. You know, it's something you use for buying coffee, right, at, at, the, at, the, at the base layer and, you know, on-chain. So, 
Um, but there's there's something called the Lightning Network. I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, which is a layer two that sits on top of the original coin. They yeah, I understand it. Yeah. yeah, right. Which you know, for for fractions of a penny, you're doing transactions. Now, now that's not widely propagated. Okay. However, there are places in the world where I can take my Lightning wallet, and you know, I've gone to Bitcoin shows, and you can go to El Salvador, and there there are a lot of places now that do accept Bitcoin. I mean. A lot as in, you know, more than zero, not a lot as in you can go down to your local Walmart and use Bitcoin, but um, where you can just show your Lightning wallet and they, they give you an invoice and you say, bang, I'll pay you $2 and you pay $2 and the cost was pennies. So mm-hmm. so that's not widely adopted yet, but this reminds me, and I was an investor in the internet in the early 1990s and started buying things in 93 and 4. This reminds me very much of the internet where, you know, in the in the beginning it was really clunky. You, got, you know, you know, you were around, you're, old, you're my age, you had to put phones into modems and you know dee, 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 and you didn't have a browser it was a green screen i mean and you know and, and krugman was saying this thing's a fax machine and it, you know, it doesn't work for shit and i was like holy crap this thing's going to change the world and so so you know i i would say to you you're right it hasn't gotten all the way to the point where you can buy shit with you know bitcoin at walmart but it's coming you know that's where we're going i mean talk to jack Mollers, talk to strike you know look at some of the other people that are out there making changes and that is coming so you know, and, and by the way, the MasterCards of the world, all these guys are getting 300 basis points on every transaction. You know, the, the, the people mm-hmm. who are using Lightning are talking about 30 basis points as a transaction fee. So, mm-hmm. you know, so things, things will change. I mean, you've got to, you've got to give it time. And, and, but, you, you know, look, you're right. If suddenly everybody changed their mind about this asset and said, you know what, it's not going to work and I need the cash and there were no buyers coming in behind them, you're right, it would go the wrong way. But, yeah. and by the way, it has for brief And there's time. also... For brief periods of time, that's happened. I mean, the FTX thing is a perfect example, right? Even if, in my mind, though, even if Bitcoin doesn't die, you know, of natural causes, right? From right. If it actually looks like it's going to succeed Mm. in the way that you imagine, Mm -hmm. I think the government will come in and kill it. Because we both know that the government, you know, hates competition, especially when it comes to their own monopoly. And to the extent that the government is worried about Bitcoin actually, you know, supplanting it at some point, becoming an alternative form of money. Um, oh, absolutely. Just, I mean, they, may just, they may just outlaw it. They yeah, may just no, it's, say, it's absolutely, you know, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it. you know, no, that's, say, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, you're talking about the 6102 risk, and we all know, you know, that that happened to gold and everything else. I mean, look, there's no doubt, and, and yet... You know, here's what the Bitcoiners would say to you in response. You know, it's like, Molan LeBay, you know, you motherfuckers, come and try and take it because I've got 12 words. You don't know what they are. You don't know that I have it. You can see the chain, chain transactions, but you can't get a hold of it. And, you know, that's the Well, the there's all kinds of KYC and AML now. All these people that have accounts, you know, that the government knows who they are now. That You know, they, they in order to make it, you know, Wall Street accessible, you know, they've talked well, about how, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah, no, look, the ETFs are a whole, the ETFs are a whole different matter. But but just just as, you know, what you describe as a risk to Bitcoin is also, by the way, as you know, a risk to gold. And we all know the answer to that is a boating accident, right? I mean, you know. The, the, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's it just to me, it's a lot harder for the government to take your gold. And, of course, you know, it's, it, it's. Bitcoin, if they may, if they just put a big penalty on it, I'm not sure. You know, they've outlawed it in China, right? What's going on there? I mean, they can't mine yeah, it anymore. Well, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know how much usage there is in China, and I, you know, they they tried several times to outlaw. It. I think there's still some, you know, kind of behind the scenes people doing it. I mean, you know, with a VPN and all, it, it's pretty hard to outlaw it. I mean, you know, 
I mean, but you're right. I mean, they could tax it at 90%. They could tax gold at 90%. I mean, yeah. there's, or, there's or they, of... they could just make a high enough penalty. I mean, if we yeah, tax no, it look, Bitcoin, they, it's 20 they, years they, in jail. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah, no, they, look, there's a lot of sand that they can throw in our eyes. Okay, there's there's no doubt about that. And that's that's just government misbehavior. But what I would suggest, you know, I mean, one, we're not going in that direction in spite of, you know, Liz Warren and all her bullshit. Because, you know, the Larry Fink crowd has won, and we now have these ETFs. Now, I'm not a huge ETF fan, but at least it gives the average person a way to participate in this thing if they want to well, do Well, the it. average person is, should participate in it. it. The whole selling point of Bitcoin was that you didn't need a custodian. You didn't need a third party. It's so right. easy to buy. And now they're saying it's so difficult to buy, you need an ETF. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the truth is a little bit in between the two. I mean, the problem is all the RIA money has to can't i mean as you know to self-custody it you got to get a you know you got to get a hard wallet and blah 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 i mean there's, there are a number of steps that when your money is in an ria account your ria advisor isn't going to go buy bitcoin for you because they have to have it it has to by law it has to be custodied somewhere and they well they're still not going to buy it i mean they, well, if, if you're an ria i mean i'm an ria right you know, I am too. i'm a broker i was yeah. but the, 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 the risk, you know, it, it's it's really a heads-I-win, tails-you-lose situation in the U.S. where mm. you put your money in an investment and you lose, you go sue your broker. Uh, but if you win, you know, you keep the money. And uh, and I, I just think that the, the next, if, if RIAs were to take a risk of, first of all, as a fiduciary, they're going to get killed if they buy this, you know, as a fiduciary. How could you buy something so speculative? Anybody who buys it in an IRA, I mean, if your broker buys it in an IRA, you know, you got a free put. I mean, you could basically buy Bitcoin, and if it goes down, you're going to get all your money back from your broker because you're going to sue them with an arbitration, and they're not going to have a chance of winning because they can't defend buying it. It's too speculative. It's too risky. It's not. I mean, it's a gamble. You can't. You can't put it. Yeah, so I, I just you know, don't think. I think. We, we, I think the extent that people buy these ETFs. It's all going to be Schwab, Fidelity, unsolicited stuff. You're not going to have a bunch of, you know, Merrill Lynch uh, brokers calling up their customers and pitching these ETFs. There's no way Merrill would allow that. Um, everything's going to be unsolicited and no fiduciary is going to buy it. I mean, no way. You sure? I mean, take a look at you know yeah. you've got you've got guys like Fidelity, you've got guys like Justin Timir at Fidelity talking about what, what it is and where it can go. You've got you know Abigail Johnson supporting it. You got Larry Fink supporting it. I mean, you know the the trend on all of that is changing. And you're right. If somebody took all all of you know Grandma's money and put it into this thing, you know they should get their ass sued if it goes down. But you know you, you don't think that the you know that the average RIA can say hey. You know, this thing has got a better sharp ratio and the best performance of any asset in the last 15 years. We're going to put 2% of your account into this thing. And, you know, if the 2% goes to zero, well, that sucks. But, you know, we think that the optionality and the, the asymmetry of it is high enough that it justifies a 2% allocation. And by the way, you know, depending upon what you look at, the, the, the amount of money that's in RIAs out there in the world, I mean, it's somewhere between 20 and 80 billion or trillion dollars. I mean, it's a big number. So, I mean, well, I know that people that own it are hoping that everybody puts 2% of their money in it and pushes up the price. But, right. you know, but then, you know, what happens if, you know, you try to get out? You know, that's going to be the, you well, know, if everybody puts in 2% and then they try to get out. But the same thing applies to gold. I mean, both of these are, in my opinion, savings assets. They are the, they are the premier savings asset that you want to hold 
you know, they're, they're Gresham's law, they're, you know, as you point well, out, gold, gold, gold has gold. natural buyers, gold has industrial buyers, people need uh, not gold. much, not and, much, and, Peter. No, it's, it is just a lot of it. Of course, industrial is like five or 10% of, of the gold buying, the gold buying numbers. I mean, it's a small number, you know, yeah, but they, but they, but they buy it and they need it. And well, you know, if the fair, price fair went enough. down, if the price went down, they would buy more. I mean, the reason mm. that the reason that gold is not used in some circumstances is because you could substitute something cheaper. That's not quite as good, but for the money, it'll it's okay. But mm -hmm. as the gold price goes down, you get more and more uh, buying coming in from from industry, and also central banks. You know, they still buy gold. They need a another asset to hold other than you know fiat Absolutely. currency. And Absolutely. so central banks are going to be big buyers on on big pullbacks, oh, they, especially they have the emerging been. markets. Yeah, and those I mean, central banks still have small amounts of gold. They the Chinese need a lot of gold. You know, I mean, they're going to buy on any big dip. They're going to be there. Absolutely, and I mean that's and that's why I hold gold. I mean, look, gold gold is. I mean, I've always said gold is analog sound money, and Bitcoin is digital sound money. And, <laughs> you know, I mean that's the way I look at it, and. Um, you know the. Do you, the do you know the origin of the word "sound money"? You know why they call it "sound money"? No. When you drop it, when you drop the gold coin on a on a table, it makes a sound, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, so you can't. Bitcoin doesn't make any sounds. No, you're There's right. There's nothing to drop. <laughs> you're right about that. Well, it's, so it's look. It's it's it's, it's not, not sound, physical. It's not hard. The gold yeah. is hard because you know, as opposed to paper, that is you know. Yeah, soft. I'll, I'll I'll concede that it's not physical, but <laughs> but I but I would I, I go back to my original premise that a digital and immutable digital ledger, you know, dig, true digital scarcity in in a, in a world that's becoming increasingly digital, is is a meaningful technical development that yes, that, but that, and you here, know, you know? I, here's how I would agree with you: if Bitcoin was the only one. Mm -hmm. It was physically impossible to have another uh, uh, distrib distributable ledger if the blockchain was somehow unique to Bitcoin and you couldn't mm -hmm. create another one and you couldn't put another token on. You know, you may have a point, but they're, they're, just because Bitcoin was first, again, you know, people are using Facebook or you yeah, know, no, before I know. Facebook, Facebook, there was my Facebook MySpace argument. I know. I, 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 I started that argument like initially, but you know, yeah. and I said at the time, who says Facebook is going to stay around and Facebook is going away. Nobody uses Facebook anymore, really. Yeah. No, know, I, it's still I there, it. but yeah. I mean, people use Instagram more. people use, look at, look at TikTok. Look yeah, at TikTok no, I, came out of nowhere. Yeah. People, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, doing TikTok all the time. They no, I agree. But those you, those, you know, but YouTube those are much. Those but, are slightly different things in that they're kind of. No, they're, they all they're, had networks. They all had a big. Lead yeah, but they're 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 vying they're vying for your digital attention. Whereas well, some, somebody else can come and and, and the bigger the market that that Bitcoin commands, mm -hmm. the more people are going to try to compete for it, right? The more yeah. people are. Why do you think all these altcoins came into existence? Right, they well, all wanted a piece of that. Everybody wanted to start one. Absolutely you know? no. I mean, it, it, there, were, there were a bunch of grifters. I mean. Look, the, the, you know, the, the, the MySpace um, Facebook argument, I would, I, would, I would only suggest that we are so far down the road in terms of adoption and, you know, amount of value stored in it, number of people holding it, um, you know, use cases growing, et cetera, et cetera, that it seems to me, you know, um, based on Metcalf's law, you know, the law of, of you know, the, the networks increase in value kind of geometrically as they grow, um, 
it's just it's it's extremely unlikely to be unwound and and to the degree that that it became a risk of it being unwound you could kind of see it coming as something else i mean something else isn't going to go from zero to a thousand you know or whatever it might be in terms of usage overnight it's going to happen over time and everyone who's involved in all of this would be able to say huh you know, look at this trend. This is slightly different. You know, maybe maybe it makes Bitcoin less attractive. Maybe it makes this new thing more attractive. But what you know, about I mean, what about just on the price perspective? I mean, so mm -hmm. like, all right, Bitcoin's at you know forty thousand ish right now. Right. Whatever. Um, is there a price point that it would fall to that you think it would just blow the whole thing up? Like, if we were below ten thousand or below five thousand, at what point do you think the appeal would be gone? And it would just kind of blow up just because too many people lost too much money and they're sick of it. It's a fair question. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know the answer. I mean, I do know that looking at it historically, which is all we have, that there were a couple. I mean, I think a couple of those first declines were like 90 percent. I mean, really. So I mean, to yeah, go down, nobody had any real money in it. Most no, people like you're you. right. It was their yeah. play money. People yeah, you have, you know, big. Yeah, big no, you're money. right. Well, and there are all these amazing stories of guys who, you know, got it for $2 and they, it got to be worth, you know, $20 and they sold their 10,000 coins so they could buy a car. You know, it's kind of like in, in hindsight, right? But um, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, if it, if it fell that far, it's possible, you know, people would lose faith and abandon it. I, I, I don't think, I think the odds of it falling that far are, are low. I think if you look historically at the data, what you'll see is that each pullback has been less than the prior ones. In other words, you know, it, as it gets more widely distributed, there is less, you know, there's less downside. Um, and so oh, but uh, there's been, there was a pretty big drop. You mentioned we went from 65,000 oh, yeah. to 15,000. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was a big drop. No shit. I mean, well, and I, it, I, I think one of the main reasons we had the big rally was all the lead up into the ETFs. I mean, for the last year, that's been the main reason to buy was hey these things are going to have etfs um and now now they have the etfs and so now why buy i mean yeah. I, to me everybody's selling now I mean, that's a, it's a fair out. point it's i mean time to sell yeah it's there's certainly been a little bit of a sell the news you know uh behavior here but but again you know my view is you can't you know on, on any on any shorter terms time scale this thing can go anywhere i mean we all anyone who's been involved with it understands that and knows that and it will always surprise um I think that, you know, that as time goes by, as long as what I've described, which is more people using it, more use cases developing, you know, more demand for a, you know, fixed and, and slowly decreasing supply because the miners, the having is coming up, as you know, in April. So we'll go from, you know, six and a quarter to three and an eighth coins per every 10 minutes being issued. You know, it's getting harder and harder. And um, yeah, but know, the you know the high was still almost three years ago, or that we yeah, the high. no, that's right. Well, but that doesn't that's not really breaking a pattern. I mean, I you know, look, I was buying some at at seventeen thousand at Thanksgiving in twenty seventeen, you know, and it went from seventeen, and I was buying, you know, and and it went from seventeen down to ten, and I thought, oh shit, that sucks, and I doubled down, and then it went from ten down to three point one, and I doubled down again at like three point eight or something, and so. You know, it's look. There's no doubt, Peter. This thing is volatile as all shit. And you know, I mean, it, it's the way the way I view it is that you know, gold is your bond. I mean, gold is your it, it'll preserve purchasing power. It's you know, it's never. I mean, people who criticize gold, I say, yeah, but gold's never had an eighty percent drawdown, right? I mean, whereas Bitcoin's had four of them. Yeah, that's uh, why it's not hard to 
describe it as a store of value when well, it can, it correct, can but but lose but that much. but what but but here's what's going on. Okay, it's what it's it's on an adoption curve. It's got it's got more asymmetry. It's what it's what Paul Tudor Jones said. It's the fastest horse in the monetary debasement race. So when when we're running. You know, I mean, let me give you a good example. Yeah, well, maybe it was the fastest horse, but you know, it, <laughs> uh, but it, it will. It, it got older. It's not. Yeah, so it got older. It's dying. Not yet. It's lame. <laughs> it will. It will be again. Let me. Let me just give you an example. I mean, so and it's for the glue factory. Yeah, right. So the. So the. Uh, <laughs> so the. Um, you know, the, the Fed pivoted, right? Or, or kind of. We, we think. I think the Fed pivoted. My quarterly report, by the way, will be on my Twitter feed later today, and we just finished it up. Um, and, and the Fed pivoted, in my view, kind of in this last quarter, you know, because Powell said some stuff and a bunch of people said some stuff that would indicate in the dot plot change that they're going to, you know, start easing monetary conditions. And since that point in time, gold's up 15% and Bitcoin's up 60%. This is like in three months. And so, you know, it, it, it's really the most sensitive to monetary conditions. More right, sensitive. Right. But I, I think the more of the Bitcoin move related mm. to the ETF stuff. Possible. Um, and Possible. Than, than, than that. I mean. Possible. Yeah. Possible. And, and we'll that. see what happens now that the ETFs are, are here. Right. And again, I think the bigger thing, one of the bigger plays in Bitcoin was uh, the uh, GBTC mm. because that was that, that was at a, almost a 50% discount to NAV. Right. So you had a lot of people buying into that, waiting right. for it to become an ETF so they could, you know, make right. that. Yeah, no, we all we all did that with our retirement accounts where we couldn't get it out of the retirement accounts. You had to buy something like so that. So I think now, and, and again, before, when the last time the Grayscale Trust collapsed, mm. it, didn't, it, it didn't directly affect Bitcoin itself. I mean, indirectly, it was always a competitor. But if somebody sold their Grayscale Trust, it didn't, the Bitcoin still stayed there. The, 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 the amount of Bitcoin was locked up. But right. now... No, now the they have ETF, to sell it. Yeah, no, they sell it. Yeah, and that's so, right. And for a while, GBTC was the biggest buyer of Bitcoin because every time they they would they would have these hedge funds that would, you know, that would you know put Bitcoin in and get shares. But right. now it's a huge seller of Bitcoin because every time somebody wants out, and of course everybody is going to sell GBTC, even if you want to own an ETF. They're, they're, they're charging 150 basis points. Right. No, Their the competitors fees are, absurd. are I mean, charging 25 basis points. Yeah, no, Barry's out of his mind. I mean, I, I don't know what the fuck GBTC is thinking. I mean, they, you know, I, I, I had some retirement accounts that were in GBTC and I've sold them all and I went, I flipped into the ETF. And look, there's, you know, on any given day, there's a lot of turbulence in the price in this asset. There's no doubt. And again, it's, I've said it in other calls. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to put the ocean into a swimming pool. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the reason why both these assets will go up in value is that monetary debasement is a certainty. We know the government's totally out of control. They mm -hmm. do outrageous and illegal shit like, you know, what they did with your bank in Puerto Rico. And, and you know, basically the dollar is going to continue to get debased, you know, massively over the next 10 years. So that's why both of these assets work, gold and Bitcoin. The reason, in my opinion, Bitcoin provides more optionality is you've also got this adoption curve going on. This reminds me so much of the Internet. I mean, it's, you know, you consider the amount of people. I mean, we're still pretty damn early. I mean, the amount of people. Yeah, that, I mean, I will concede you know, that there is a degree of optionality and it's right. not completely outside the realm of possibility that Bitcoin can make a new high and go to 100,000 or some higher number. Right. But to me, even if it did that, eventually it's going to collapse. Somebody's <laughs> going to be left holding the bag. If it's not the people who are buying now, it's the people who buy later. But, yeah. but to me, 
I'd I hear, I hear you on that, but what's what's going to trigger what's going to trigger the change in human behavior that's going to make everybody wake up someday and go, huh? We were wrong about this. Let's all sell it. I mean, if if you know, if, well, look, I if think you, again, if it, it there doesn't have to be a particular trigger. I mean, it's if you think of it as like a fad or a trend. I mean, people right. lose interest in it. People move on to something else. But also, you know, one of the things that I I think is interesting is you know you got this. You know, artificial intelligence out there um and you know you like to think that oh you can't you can't counterfeit this there's no way of cracking the blockchain mm -hmm. well i mean i don't know i mean what if some ai supercomputer whatever is able to figure out how to crack it or you know what no, there's if, no you know, there's no doubt that there's no doubt that supercomputing is a is a longer term risk to it i mean but but you know. but with with AI, the long term could be in a couple of years, right? If, at possibly. the rate at which it's getting smarter well, and able possibly. to solve more complex problems. Yeah. Um, Larry, let me just ask: like, how yeah. sacrosanct is the code? I saw JP uh, JP Morgan. I saw Jamie Dimon this week say, you know, uh, at some point he thinks uh, Satoshi is going to come back. He's right? going to hop out of the bushes <laughs> and add another, you know, 21 million coins on top of the ones that are. Yeah. So how much of the value is derived from the code? And, you know, how sacrosanct is the redundancy of everybody using the same oh. code, which kind of goes to exactly what Peter's saying here, right? Sure. Because well, it, you it, could it, just it, get a it, solar flare. Solar flare could just wipe out all the hard drives or whatever. And well, it all disappears. Yeah, I mean, they're, I don't know, they're 19,000 nodes and, you know, they're, they're copies of the thing in space. I mean, I, I'm not too worried about the solar flare risk or the loss of, I mean, everyone says, well, you know, we're... Yeah, EM pulse or whatever. Yeah, or, you know, loss of electricity or the internet goes down or anything. I mean... Look, if all those things happen, you know. How it's, do you explain the How do you explain the redundancy of nineteen thousand nodes to somebody that doesn't understand it? And Peter, yeah, okay. conversely, so, Peter, how you know how well would you say that you know that you understand the code? Yeah, well, oh. let, let, let me take a crack at it first. Just okay. look, the, the, the bottom line is that um, you know people have tried to change it. People have forked it in the past, and and nobody follows the forks and. Everybody who's involved with it understands the value proposition, which is that the hard cap of 21 million is sacrosanct. And the minute you mess with that, you know, the whole thing falls apart. And, um, you know, every node gets to vote on whether or not they're going to run a new version of the software. And you would have to have over 50% of the nodes voting on, you know, adopting some new, you know, oh, we're, we're going to, you know, there, there have been people who said maybe we should change the block size or maybe we should increase, you know, we should have some policy of increasing the number to account for inflation over some period of time. It's not as if those ideas haven't been brought up, but, you know, you'd have to get more than 50% of the nodes and the miners, I believe as well, to accept any change in the existing code. And I just think that knowing what they know about the value prop and how it runs, I think the odds of that occurring are zero. It's like, so, a, it's like a reverse it's prisoner's here. dilemma. Well, what, almost, if the same, right? what, what if the same person has has 50% of the nodes? What if somebody yeah. accumulates? Well, there's, I mean, you, you couldn't do that. I mean, Peter, this is the most powerful computer network in the world. I mean, I don't, I don't have the stats right at my fingertips, but in terms of, you know, the, the hash power, the electricity of the nodes and the, the miners that are out there, I mean, you know, we're talking billions and billions of dollars that, are, that have been invested. In the, the notion, I mean, a 51% attack, when it was smaller was actually a legitimate risk. If somebody got a hold of 50% of the nodes and miners, they could start putting through fake transactions and approving them. But I think the odds of that occurring now are, are just, they're, they're, it's a zero. There's, there's no- well, What if the market crashed first, you know, and, um, and, and, and the, 
and and so then the I'm not sure I understand the, what you mean. Maybe the price well, of the, Bitcoin. Uh, if Bit, let's say Bitcoin collapsed down to like a thousand dollars a coin, okay, yeah. a lot of these miners, a lot of people would go out of business, throwing absolutely, the power, yeah, no, absolutely, you know? yeah. And the difficulty would, and it may make it easier for somebody who's more solvent to snap up a lot of this capacity. Yeah. And I don't I, look. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I think the premise of of the price going to that low is is pretty low, and I think you know the difficulty adjustment is is a brilliant you know thing within the whole system. That allows you. I mean, when the Chinese miners came offline, you know, a couple of years ago, the hash went down substantially um, because you know a lot of the mining power was in China and the Chinese outlawed it. And so, you know, um, a lot of people thought, oh well, that's it. This is you know the whole thing's over because you know, well, no, the difficulty adjustment just changed, and the the remaining miners did a very good job of validating the transactions and keeping the blockchain intact. In so, uh, you know, it's it's proven its ability to go through ups and downs in mining capacity. So uh, again, I, you know, look, is it, is it possible that the things you guys are describing, you know, happen? Yeah. It's, I mean, anything's possible in this world. We all know that, but is it, is it likely? I, I, I just, I don't think it is. I mean, I, you know, I, I talked to, I've met core developers. I've talked to core developers, you know, I've read all the technical books on the thing. I mean, I, I believe that it's, it's sound. I believe that it's, it's fundamentally sound, but but that you know, if you're if you're looking at the risks associated with this, I mean, you know, that in my opinion, those are the two clear risks are: is it technically sound? I believe it is. And it, are dogs eating the food? Is adoption growing? And all the evidence that I see suggests yes, absolutely, strongly, consistently. And so yeah, the other again, the big know, risk you have to think about is yeah. there are a lot of people out there that have been holding holding their Bitcoin for a long time. Mm, yeah. And they, they, they've been deferring a lot of um, things that they want because they're mm -hmm. afraid to sell their Bitcoin because they'll say, well, I can't I can't I can't use my Bitcoin to buy a car because, you know, you know because it's going to be a very expensive car when it's a million dollars of Bitcoin. So, mm. you know, I'm just going to Uber it or, mm -hmm. you know, I can't I can't get my own place. I'm going to keep living with my parents because I can't part <laughs> with my precious Bitcoin. because right. They're going to be so valuable. So yeah. at, at some point, though, a lot of the people are going to like are going to be tired of hodling. They're going to actually want to buy something with their bitcoin. They can't hold off forever. So yeah, well, if you don't get if you don't get a much bigger wave of new buying to take that out. I mean, eventually a lot of the a lot of that flips around and the early buyers become the sellers and there's not enough new money to 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 absorb that. Well, that's look, that's that's certainly the risk and what I would suggest to you though <laughs> is that those you know that, that a lot of the coins are actually in very strong hands and and they're and people are dealing with with money that i mean look if they're not they're stupid you know but people are dealing with money they don't need they're dealing with their savings technology or their savings money that you know well, they, they eventually money. need that right they i mean that's well, why they're maybe saving. maybe i mean some people some people save to give to their kids you know some people you know they just they want to they want to pass it along i mean there are there are plenty of people who. Well, you know, most say, of the people buying the Bitcoin are the kids. They're not these uh, are the grandparents that are buying well, it for their kids. You'd be, su you'd be surprised. I mean, I've, I've orange I've orange pilled a lot of boomers. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's I, my observation is that the holders of Bitcoin go all the way across the spectrum from twenty to sixty year old. And by the way, as you know, and as I know, you know, the boomers have a lot more money than the millennials. And so, you know, what I've been able to do is convince a fair number of boomers to, you know, not take 
all of their money and put it in Bitcoin, that would be insane. But to get started because of this of the asymmetry, which you know you you can you can see that earlier there is asymmetry here. So I, I guess I just don't see I don't see what's going to change the dogs eating the food argument and everyone kind of going to the other side of the ship and saying you know what this thing's not working. I'm getting out. Peter, I mean, I, is there well, is there a risk? Peter, something. I mean, something to happen to cause a run on the bit on it. I mean, well, some it, of the it, bigger some of the whales just decide they you know i mean like it, it, it's obviously weathered some pretty big storms with ftx and celsius and um uh terra luna and all yeah, this right. stuff but yeah. i mean but but that's not the end of it that's stuff no. no i mean it's the story continues to get written every day there's no doubt and and what you're describing is not impossible i mean it, it's just it's just that it's from what i've seen and you know again back to my venture days you know consumer behavior human behavior you know, a trend in motion, you know, tends to, to continue. I mean, you know, it, it reminds me as an example. Well, I mean, in, in yeah. until it stops. I mean, I don't well, know. I mean, yeah, you know. but, but, but will it stop? I mean, especially it, with know. technology. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember first they had cassettes, then they yeah. had eight tracks, then yeah. they had, you know, how long the eight tracks, then they went back to cassette. Before that, they had records. Yeah, and then no, they I had DVDs, now we got, and now yeah, they now don't even have that. Files. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, get I mean, it. now, I mean, nobody even buys music anymore. I mean, no, so I get like, it. Yeah, you rent it. Yeah, no, I get it. Look, there, there is no doubt that all of those risks and issues are present. But again, back to the fundamentals of it's it's a digital technology, you know, that, um, you know, represents digital scarcity. I think that's a big deal. I think it's a really. Well, I think really there's a real deal. difference between actual scarcity and a man-made contrived scarcity i mean bitcoin is scarce only in the sense that we've tried to make it scarce there's you know right. uh, and 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 it's only scarce to the extent that people want to agree that bitcoin is it and all these other shit coins that for all practical purposes are identical to bitcoin or even yeah but see, well, it's, we don't care right, about stop, those. stop right oh stop right we there, don't though, care about those because they're not no no, no but yeah. but peter stop right there because all those other shit coins aren't in any way shape or form identical or even close to bitcoin none of them are they well, all, the only difference is right you're saying the size of the network the number well no i mean they're all no it's bitcoin not just the, no it's it not no it's more than that it's it's yes i mean the size of the network's a piece of it but it's more than that. It's it's the proof of work algorithm. It's but it's somebody those... else can have the same proof of work. Yeah, that but, algorithm but... isn't unique. I mean, out of those twenty thousand altcoins, there are mm. some of them that have the same proof of worth as Bitcoin. Right, and what and what's their total what's their total usage and market value? I, I mean, again, it, it's de minimus. It's I mean, just it's absolutely yeah, it's, just it's a absolutely de minimis. Just like just like I mean, what, you know, how many how many people listening to this use Bing as a browser? I mean, it's it's oh. you know, it just doesn't matter, right? I mean, but all you know, it just gets popular. Look at look at how many people are you know use Dogecoin. I mean, how will that went just because well, that, <laughs> just look, because look, I mean, you know, Elon Musk starts tweeting pictures oh, of uh, of a dog. You know, yeah, no, I get it. Look, I get it, and and you know, to those of us who are Bitcoiners, all of the shit coins really annoy the living crap out of us because they've deleted. Because they're no different than Bitcoin. Or that's no, the, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. That that's a factually inaccurate statement. They're completely different than Bitcoin. They are. I mean, Ethereum, as an example, which is you know the most legitimate, so to speak, of the of the shit coins. Uh, because, what makes it legitimate? Because well, it's because it's because it's, because it's because it's got smart contracts and use cases, and 
you know, there, you know, amongst the venture capital crowd, there are people who think that there's a there's a legitimate reason that Ethereum can and should exist, and arguably some of the things they're doing with it, these contracts and so forth, you know, will be another layer on top of Bitcoin in the future. But but the point is, you know, the Ethereum's changed their monetary policy seven times. I mean, and you know, Beetlelink and the you know the proof of stake people can you know they're, they're kind of continually creating more fees to pay the gas to, to to run their network and and that's not what bitcoin is and 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 that by the way that's you know that's the, that's true of all of these shit coins they were all pre-mined they all have a ceo they none of them you know I, I say none there are a few small exceptions and they really don't count have a true proof of work algorithm the way bitcoin does so so to put the two in the same box well, is proof to, of stake or something like that well there yeah some are proof of stake and yeah there are other means by which they distribute the coins but but the point is to put them in the same box as Bitcoin. It's just—it's not fair. They're just—it's an apple and an orange. They're just completely different, and and that drives Bitcoiners crazy because you know, frankly, I mean, the, the FTX. Well, they're not bad. Maybe you want to say, okay, one is a Granny Smith and one is a Macintosh. I'd say no. Wrong. It's an apple you know? and an orange. <laughs> it's a legitimate apple and an orange, man. I'm telling you. But, but, but look, uh, even I mean, those we, are we both. Can, we can differ on that. I don't know. All right, so it's not an apple and a piano. All right, well, they're kind of similar. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, look, I get where you're coming from. Um, what I don't see is I don't see how I don't see your belief. I don't see what triggers the loss of interest in something that's got the monetary that's got the characteristics that Bitcoin. Well, has. I, I think again, I think the main interest for most people, not all people, mm -hmm. especially the people who have bought in over the last few years. Mm -hmm. The main interest is getting rich. It's a lottery ticket. It's I'm going well, to buy. You, 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 so you, let, you, let me finish my point. Okay. Yeah. So if the trend really breaks down again with all these people, and if you start seeing Bitcoin trading, you know, below ten thousand or whatever mm -hmm. the breaking point is, I think you're going to lose the speculator, the investor. Uh, they're going to be like, God damn it, I'm done with this. This was, I, I you know, I'm, you know, I'm suing my broker or I just you know, <laughs> lost my money. Um, and um, I'm never going to do that again. And, and so that could be a big problem. You know, I, 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 I hear I, you. I, 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 I hear, I hear what you're saying. And I, and I, you know, that's not outside the realm of possibility. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, well, let me just address what you said in the beginning. You know, all, a lot of people have bought this because they want to get rich. Well, I mean, yeah. So, so what's wrong with that? I mean, in other words, um, I mean, you're right. In, in, to the degree that they're naive and 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 they're not long term holders and they don't understand what they've really bought and it goes down and they're going to dump it. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate and that's not correct. Okay, um, and doesn't help you know the underlying thought of the coin. But the whole notion that you want to save. I mean, people you know people are taking their money, their hard earned money or you know their savings and saying huh, I've got a choice of what to do with it. I can put it in a bank account, I can buy gold, I can buy Bitcoin, I can buy a lot of things. I think this piece of savings technology, this digital gold, so to speak, is has more asymmetry, and I'm willing to live with the possibility of a severe drawdown. Um, because I, my, again, I don't because think my it's time savings. I don't yeah. think it is digital gold. I, mm. will, I will concede that it is its own asset class in right. and of itself right. that really is not in any way gold. I mean, I say it's, it's no more digital gold than a, than a, than an image of a hamburger is digital food. You know, I mean, it, 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 you can, you can make it 
look like gold with the way you depict it, but it it it's it not we're, we're, so, we're coming we're coming back to the physicality versus the properties. No, of, I mean gold gold has value because of its low stock to flow. No, no, it has and Bitcoin, value. Yeah, it has Bitcoin. value because it's a it's a precious metal that you could do all kinds of things with. That's where it gets its value. The rest yeah. of the stuff is what makes it function as money. Now, does gold embedded in the price of gold? Is there a premium for it being money? Yes, I would say that premium is very low right now because I gold agree. is not really being used as money, other than by central banks who don't hold. Uh, that much of it. But one of the other reasons that gold's price is is as high as it is, is because you are factoring in the use of gold in 100 years, in 1,000 years into today's price, because gold doesn't lose its properties over time like other commodities that have a, a, ha a shelf life, that you know their price is what it is today, but if you don't use it, it's going to go to zero. So, but since Gold never diminishes its properties, even if you use it, even if you take gold and use it for something, you could reuse it and reuse it and reuse it. It doesn't it doesn't wear down or lose properties because it's been made into a into a bracelet or it's been, you know, drilled into somebody's teeth or it's been, you know, put into a computer chip or in a cell phone. You know, you could get that cell phone all, you know, and get that gold out of there, right? All that gold can be extracted mm -hmm. and it's exactly the same and it can be reused. And so the, the 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 price today, you know, basically brings all that future use forward. So it's going to have a higher price um, than than other than other commodities that don't that don't have that property. Let me ask right. both, let me ask both of you a question real quick and I'm sorry to interrupt but when I think about like force majeures for Bitcoin and gold, the idea of mining gold in space or mining gold from asteroids, I wanted to just throw that out there. Wouldn't that be like a force majeure event also, too, that could severely disrupt the, uh, the yeah. supply and I demand mean, with gold? And how, well, how, how far off are we from that? And how different is that from supercomputing being a potential force majeure for Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, as far as gold, I mean, I mean, my assumption would be gold is rare in the universe, just the way it's rare on Earth. So I don't know that there's like whole big giant gold asteroids out there. I know the Bitcoin community tried to pretend that there was this giant gold asteroid, but I'm sure there is gold in the universe. I mean, we're, you know, it's not just here. Um, and, and, you know, but I think that we would pretty much have to run out of gold on Earth before we started mining it in space. God knows what the cost to mine gold would be, you know, out there. But obviously, you know, in hundreds of years, you know, or thousands of years, it'll obviously be cheaper. But but my thinking is that there'll probably be a lot more uses for gold by the time we're mining it in space than there is now. They would have come up with all sorts of things uh, that, you know, in fact, I know that when they sent that giant telescope, that last, uh, like Hubble, uh, telescope in the space, they had to coat all the mirrors with gold because it was the only compound that would, 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 would be viable to use for these mirrors. And they, you know, um, and so to the extent that we're using, we're out in space, we're probably going to need a lot of gold to get there. Yeah. I, I put both of, I put the, you know, the supercomputing and the mining asteroids, I put those both as kind of science fiction way way out in the future not i mean not not relevant in my lifetime um i mean we can't even track asteroids 
you know, much, much less figure out how to land on one and mine something that we think it might have. I mean, I, I, I kind of consider that to be just a boogeyman for, you know, I mean, it, it's, that's the same as the people who said there's, you know, somebody found more gold than exists in the world in Ghana recently. I mean, there's always, there are always threats that, you know, suddenly we're going to discover a bunch of gold. Gold is extremely rare. That was the, just an old joke. The, the definition of a gold mine is a hole in the ground with a liar standing in front of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark Twain had it right. But look, so the, yeah. All right. Well, let me I, I let, let me wrap up because we're we're way over time, and I appreciate yeah. you guys. This is the easiest podcast I ever had to do because I introduced you and then I <laughs> shut up for an hour and fifteen minutes. I know that you're both, uh, you know, you both like to talk, so it worked out beautifully, and I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, last thing I want to have you both do, uh, Peter and Larry, give me your 2024 price targets for both gold and bitcoin end of the year what are we what are we looking at and and why and keep it to three minutes or less all right because we're all old and we all got to use the bathroom I'm yeah sure. go peter yeah you know i think gold is pretty much near the floor at around 2000 and despite that you know i've never seen gold mining stocks uh you know as weak in fact in the last um uh or this week Gold mining stocks are down more than 7%, yeah, and the wild. price of gold is not even down 1%. <laughs> you know, some of that may be tied into some option expiration going on today, but the sentiment really could not be worse in the gold mining space. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a good contrarian indicator. I mean, the metal has been dragging the stocks. I mean, uh, in prior bull markets, the stocks led the metal. This time, it's been the metal leading the stocks, and the stocks aren't even following because investors keep expecting the price of gold to crash and it just keeps going up. So I think at some point uh, it's just going to take off here. Uh, I, I agree the Fed has pivoted. Uh, the Fed is going to be easing monetary policy. To me, I think the bigger thing is not the rate cuts, but the return to quantitative easing, which I expect in earnest before the end of the year. And not because inflation has come down, but despite the fact that inflation has uh, surged and is moving back higher. Uh, and so that is going to be a very big catalyst for gold. I think gold mining stocks, that's where if you want the optionality, if you want to try to hit the 10 bagger, you know, you really want to try to get rich. You know, I think the mining stocks, I mean, that's where I'm putting my speculative money. It's in those stocks. I bought more again this week for myself. Um, you know, I've, I've been buying these, I've been in this trade for a long time. I expect to make a lot of money on it. Um, as far as Bitcoin, I think the uh, I think the recent launch of these ETFs I think that you know kind of signified the top of this rally. Um, I don't think that if they build it, they will come is going to apply to these ETFs. I just do not see tremendous demand for the ETFs. I mean, there's 11 of them now. <laughs> I, I just don't think that people are dying to buy these ETFs. In fact, anybody who wanted to buy Bitcoin would have bought it six months ago, three months ago, a year ago. Because if you if you know the ETFs are coming and you believe that when the ETFs come, the prices are going to go way up, why would you wait for the ETF? You wouldn't sit back and watch the price of Bitcoin go up and just wait to buy it after the rally. You would just find a way to buy it now. And I think people already did that, whether they bought the Grayscale at a discount, whether they bought MicroStrategies, whether they bought the Bitcoin futures ETFs, whether they bought uh, spot ETFs in Canada or Europe. I think all of that 
buying that people thought was going to happen after the launch of the of the uh, uh, um, um, ETFs happened in anticipation of the launch of the ETFs. And so I think there's a lot of selling on the news yet to come, uh, a lot of liquidation. And I do think, and I mentioned this on Twitter, uh, you know, Gary Gensler um, did not want to approve these things. He kind of got backed into a corner legally and did it. But I don't think we've heard the end of him uh, and some more regulation between now and uh, the election from the Biden administration. I think they're going to come and announce some more onerous type of KYC AML uh, regulation. Maybe a lot of these cryptos are going to be declared securities, too. And who knows? And I think all this is just going to be, you know, a negative, just driving up the compliance costs of uh, of dealing with. Uh, with crypto, and it's just going to make them even less appealing. So um, I think, you know, I think this is going to be a tough year for Bitcoin, but a good year for gold. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Larry? I, yeah, I agree completely mm -hmm. on what Peter said with, respond, with respect to gold. I mean, gold and gold stocks, I, I've never seen the sentiment so bleak. I mean, it's even the true believers are having a hard time staying positive, and that includes folks like me. Uh, which tells me we've got to be at or very close to a bottom if we haven't already achieved it. And it's it's actually ironic. I mean, the price of gold is actually very close to breaking out to new highs, and yet the sentiment's so so bad. So imagine what happens when sentiment gets good. I mean, to answer your question, Chris, I think we see gold between 2,500 and 3,000 at the end of calendar 24. Um, and I think we see the gold stocks probably up 50 to 100%. Um, with respect to Bitcoin, I think we probably see Bitcoin at 100. Um, Bitcoin, you know, in April we get the halving, so the supply will go down. Um, and I, I take the other side of Peter's comment on the ETF. He said, you know, people front run the ETF, they already bought it. Okay, I get that. Some people probably did that. Um, the flip of that is there's a lot of money in these RIAs and in other buckets that could not buy it before these ETFs existed. They just couldn't legally, they didn't have a way to custody it and do it. Um, and yet their, their clients are saying, hey, you know, do, do we have some exposure to Bitcoin? I've heard it's good. The, you know, sharp ratio is good. The, you know, the returns are good, blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't we own a little of that? And so I think there will be some money that will be freed up and liberated that will come into the Bitcoin space. I mean, right now, obviously, it's not doing that well because the GBTC thing is, you know, getting liquidated. Um, but, you know, and 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 that's going to, the combination of that and the halving should drive us into, you know, we'll exceed the old high in the 60-something in the range and, and probably, you know, 100 is, a, in my mind, a reasonable target. But I mean, it could be, you know, 70, it could be 150. I mean, I, I just don't know. Nobody really does. It's it's kind of a wild animal. But I think the other thing, I, I totally agree with Peter, you know, we are going to have to go back to QE. They're going to have to cut interest rates. Um, you know, the, the, the sovereign debt trap that the U.S. government has found itself in is the big deviant perception. I mean, the, the market, I don't think, really understands just how bad um, the, the government finances are. And I think as the market comes to understand that these two assets, these two sound money assets, I know Peter doesn't think Bitcoin sound, but I do. These two assets are going to perform extremely well, probably two of the best performing assets in calendar 2024, at least in my opinion. So, Well, even even if Bitcoin is going to make a rally, though, I mean, as you said, you know, the sentiment in gold stocks is horrible. The yep. sentiment in Bitcoin is everybody is wildly optimistic who owns it. So that's a fair point. That's you a fair you point. need to get there needs to be a big, sharp sell off to kind of cool down that 
you know, I can't lose. I mean, that's the, a, the, the, you, the hype you, around you, the ETFs is, you know. You, you, so. that's, a fair, that's a fair point. The sentiment, the sentiment in Bitcoin is kind of on the wrong side compared to the sentiment in gold, which is just dreadful and, and is a good contrary indicator. Miners, yeah. I mean, the sentiment in miners is just dreadful. Oh, the my fact God. That, the fact yeah. that gold yeah. spot is near all-time highs and miners have just been taking a drubbing. Yeah, you know, yeah so exactly. You definitely get the contrarian uh, option. And you yeah. look at the news. Like, you know, look at the, the Barrick news that came out the other yeah. day and, and, they, and they had, you know, uh, Fortuna yesterday. I mean, these are stocks that I own. I bought more Barrick uh, uh, myself uh, on Wednesday. Um, but, um, you know, the news is not even that bad. No. You know? Oh, and, and, and the stocks just get obliterated. And the yeah. irony of the news is all the mining companies are having the same problem. Their costs are going up. Why are their costs going up? Because of inflation. Correct. Inflation is driving the cost of mining way up. That's the sign that all this talk about inflation being dead <laughs> is wrong. And Correct. that normally gold stocks would benefit from inflation because gold would benefit. But gold is not benefited because people don't think the inflation problem is here. They think right. it's been solved by the Fed. So as soon as the markets come to the realization that inflation is the new reality, that we're not going back to 2% or lower, that due to the dynamics of the debt crisis, how much debt there is, how much money is going to be created, that it's not going to be 2% inflation. Inflation is going to be a higher number, whether that's 4%, 5%, 8%. I don't know how much higher it is. But now you have to discount gold to the present value, assuming a higher inflation rate in perpetuity. And when you have to revalue gold, it's at a multiple of its current price. And, and then agree. these mining companies are gonna make a fortune because the price of gold is gonna rise faster, much faster than the cost of mining it. But, okay. but it's, gold has kind of been, the gold miners rather, have been the ironic victims of inflation. They, I, I couldn't, I couldn't money agree because inflation is driving up the cost of mining, but yeah. gold is not going up enough because people don't believe yeah. that inflation is here. I couldn't agree more, Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter's absolutely nailed it. Everyone thinks that the Fed is going to have a soft landing, and and it's not. We're we're in it. We're in a decade of stagflation, and the market doesn't understand that yet. When the market does come to understand that. Gold stocks are going to go berserk. Well, think of and, all the money that's just going to move out of long-dated bonds. Right. There's, yeah, I mean, that's, the entire gold stock universe is less than a trillion dollars. Yeah, which know, is it's, insane. It's, it, yeah, it's actually closer to $500 billion. So, it's, yeah, it's nuts. And, 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 and you can see it coming. But, you know. Um, and that, ironically, you know, some of the demand from gold for gold stocks that might normally be there some of it either could have been siphoned into Bitcoin Possibly. or some, some of the institutions that don't own Bitcoin or gold, but don't really understand it. They may think, well, I don't want to buy gold because, you know, gold's been obsolete by Bitcoin. And so they don't buy Bitcoin or gold, but they don't buy gold stocks because they just assume that Bitcoin is going to replace gold. And so these gold mining companies are worthless. So it's been it's kind of been bad PR, you know, for these companies. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the interesting thing, too, I'll just close on this. Then we, we all got to run. But if you go to Bloomberg and you look at the five year out consensus forecast on gold, the, the price is seventeen fifty. OK, and if you got the, <laughs> if you got the ASICs at twelve hundred and going up ten percent a year, boy, a few more years and these companies make zero money. Right. So, yeah. so, so you know, to Peter's earlier that, point, you know, we've got to get the gold price to go up and reflect the underlying inflation and the costs. And once that uh, happens, it all some changes. Of the, 
Yeah, some of the best trades I ever did and made a lot of money on was in oil stocks. I was buying, uh, you know, oil stocks in Kazakhstan and Russia mm. in, um, in, in the early 2000s. And I remember when I was looking at these analyst reports on all these stocks and you looked at the long term price projected for oil. And when I was buying these stocks, oil was like $12, $15 a barrel. But if you looked at their long term price forecasts, you know, they had oil going down to five dollars, you know, whatever, eight dollars. I mean, 10 years out. I mean, everybody back then was just so bearish on oil. And so that's right. why the stocks were so cheap. I mean, right. nobody had oil, you know, where it is now. I mean, 60, right. 70 dollars. I mean, it was like not even considered possible that right. oil prices could be where right. they are. And, 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 as, and as you and I both know, gold could, could go to four thousand, not three thousand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it would go a lot higher than that. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, the optionality there is huge. Guys, I got to run. All right, guys, yeah, nice point too. to end on. Thank you guys so much, both of you, for the time. I know we okay. went way over, but my listeners Thanks, will Chris appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Peter, really enjoyed speaking with you. I, I, uh, a lot of respect. All right, we agree on almost everything except Bitcoin. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks Take so care, much. Take care, guys. We'll see you. All Bye-bye. right. Bye-bye. That was Peter Schiff and Larry Lepard, two of my favorites. Both went over time there, but the conversation was so good. How the hell could you not? I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back soon. Peace.